if I need you, I'll call you. I, I need him right now. I need him right now. I can sit at home and <clears throat> work on all these notes and all this stuff, but if I don't have him helping me and leading me and, and kind of giving me the, the things that he wants me to say today, then, then I might as well just get up here and just read through my notes and sit down. And that's not going to help anybody. So I want the Lord, I always desire for the Lord to just use me as a vessel, as a conduit, that he can just speak through me. That's what he did in the New Testament. That's what he did in the Old Testament. He just chose out men, faithful men, and he just said, this is what thus saith the Lord, now go say it. Whatever they heard him say, they went and repeated exactly what he said. In one prophet, he said, don't worry about how hard their faces look. Just go say what I said to say. And that's my desire. And that's my, my hope is that I'm doing that. That's, that's my prayer to the Lord. I want to be that. I want to be so, so devoid of self, I guess, that he can just use me to speak. And he's going to use my mouth and he's going to use my, my mind and he's going to use my words. Amen. But I want to, I, my prayer every every time I get up here in front of anybody is that that what I say has means something that it will go out there and as the word of God says and go forth and do that which it was intended for him to do with it. It's not for me to use it as a hatchet <laughs> go after people, right? It's not what it's for. But it's to minister and to lift up and to edify and to challenge. Right? So we've been talking about the book of James. And we, uh, last time we were together, we ended up in James chapter 4. But we're going to go ahead and read the key verse that we started all this off with, and that's in James 1, 26 and 27. If any man among you seem to be religious, Brother Parker was talking about military training this morning and how they keep going over and over and over and over stuff. I was sharing with some guys at work the other day about how monotonous it got. Every month we had to do CTT training, and we had to put on our mop gear, and we had to do this stuff every month. And I was in a unit that didn't go to the field, but we still had to do it every month. And it was like, really? Really? We're never going to use this stuff. Well, then when the first Gulf War happened, uh, I I knew some guys that were over there, and I, and I heard stories from them about how they – we're so thankful that they went through that monotonous training of putting on that mop gear and protect that protective mass in, in nine seconds. And they needed that when that guy started lobbing those scuds across the way there. And I thought about that. I was still active duty then, and I thought about that. Man, that could have been me. They sent some guys from my unit. So you might hear this again is what he was trying to, you know. And some of this stuff gets repeated, but... I just, this is just me. I just feel like if the Lord thinks it bears repeating, he's going to make it so that it gets repeated. Right? Until we get it. And that's how he works with me anyway. Right? That's how it worked when I was raising my sons. It was like some stuff I had to just keep repeating until I felt like they got it. And then I could move on to something else. So that's what, what James is saying here, if any man be religious and bridleth not his tongue, we need to kind of look at these scriptures like that. Is, is God trying to get something across? Am I missing something here? Let me, let me get it, Lord. Right? 
That, that needs to be your prayer. That, that I would ha- help me, Lord, to have ears to hear what you're saying today. Not just what this man is saying today, but what are you trying to say to me? Because <clears throat> he's trying to talk to every one of us. Matter of fact, he does talk to every one of us all the time. How many believes that? I believe it. Especially if he's living inside of me, he's always talking. Am I always listening? Jury's out on that one, right? That's, that's between you and God. Am I listening? Really listening for his voice? Are we distracted? Right? Radios and music and all that stuff's great, but it can be a distraction, even if it's Christian. If he's trying to talk. And I've had him tell me, turn that off. And I've argued with him. But it's it's music. I'm I'm singing unto you and glorifying you. And he's like, turn it off. I want to talk. Okay. Thank God I heard him. I could just go along singing to the Lord. And he's not going to. But I'm, I might miss something he wants to say. I don't want to miss something. Right? Right? We talked about I don't want to miss something. I don't want to get recycled. <laughs> right? Don't, you don't want to get recycled, right? We're, I've, I've come too far in this thing to get, to have to go back and start over again. I wasn't going to even make reference to that. It just came out. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. That's a key right there. Is that what Jesus did? He, he went out. He went, he walked down the street. He talked to the, the miscreants and nobody, ones nobody wanted to talk to. The widows, the orphans, and, you know, the rabbis weren't supposed to do all that. They were supposed to just kind of talk to certain people and not just talk to everybody because there was just a, a pecking order in that day. But he went against that. And keep himself unspotted from the world. So we, we were talking to, and last time we were together in James chapter four, we're going to jump right into that verse, that set of verses, verse uh, 5 through 10, James 4, 5 through 10, <clears throat> where we were talking about pride, stubbornness, and double-mindedness. This is James writing a letter to his fellow believers, right? He's one of them. Writing this letter, he's, he's about to leave this world for preaching the gospel. So he's given them this one last letter. He's really trying to reach out and, and leave them with something. And so he says this in verse 5, Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain? The Spirit, and we talked about the human spirit or the flesh that dwelleth in us, lusteth envy. Do you think that the Scripture says that in vain? We we have a human spirit, don't we? And it's the when we were talking about our enemy being the devil, and I sitting down there thinking that, my other enemy is me, right? We're we're our own worst enemy sometimes, right? If we're not listening to God. If we're listening to our own thoughts and our own brain, we can get ourselves in some trouble. Our flesh can get us in trouble. And that's what James was talking about. But he said in verse 6, but he giveth more grace. Why? Because he knows that our flesh is weak. We can be tempted. We can be drawn away of our own lust and enticed, right? Wherefore he saith, God resisteth, or he sets an army in a array against the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. 
He's leading up to something here. You've been having all these problems in the church. He was saying in verse chapter 3 and in the previous chapters, which we talked about there weren't chapters in James's letter, were there? It was just all one flowing letter. And so he's saying, here's, here's the recipe. Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. Right? Resist the devil. First thing you got to do is submit. You can't resist the devil if you don't do the first part. You got to submit yourself, therefore, unto God. What is that? We're going to talk about what that means. And he will flee from you. If you, if you resist him, after you submit yourself to God, the devil will flee from you. That's pretty simple. I mean, that's like put the sugar, put the milk, put the butter, put the eggs, right? It's just pretty simple. Simple recipe, right? Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Seems simple, doesn't it? Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Who is he talking to? Not, he's not talking to some ranked sinners out there. He's talking to the church, saying this stuff. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to heaviness. Take this serious. Humble yourselves, he repeats himself, in the sight of the Lord, and he shall, he shall lift you up. If I go around lifting myself up, if I'm promoting myself, who's being promoted? Self. Not God. But if I just humble myself and wait on God, let Him promote me, the fruit of that is going to be totally awesome compared to me promoting myself, right? So He was telling the church why they were having all these internal problems. Because they must have been having internal problems. And, and James had been there with them before whatever happened and how he ended up in jail. I don't know. It's not really important, but he had been there with them. He had been one of them in that place, wherever they were. They were meeting in homes. They weren't meeting in a building like this. And so he had been around these people. He knew them personally. And it was there. He was telling them it's, it's, and he was telling them from his own experience, I believe, that it's your human spirit that's getting in the way. It's the issue is, is the one that the thing that's causing the problems the most out of anything. And he was telling them that God's grace along with, with their submission was, was what they needed to overcome this stuff. Right? And he talked about resisting the devil. He acknowledged that, yes, the devil is their enemy. He is the enemy, right? But that's about, we just need to acknowledge it about that far. Yeah, he's our enemy. He does not, in capital letters, does not want them, want the church the people of God to succeed in their lives and the church as a body to succeed in the kingdom. And so he's going to, he is allowed to bring temptation in our life. God doesn't tempt us, right? But the devil is allowed to tempt us, right? Why? He's allowed to try us because God is allowing, just like he did Job. He said, yeah, go ahead. 
do this and do that and do that to Job, but you can't touch his body. You can't do this. And, and he, he prefaced all that by saying, have you seen Job, my servant Job, how great he is, how much he loves me? Have you, have you seen that? And the devil says, ah, if you let me tempt him, I'll get him to turn on you. Right? So if, if Job didn't get out of that, we're not going to get out of that. And so the enemy is trying to get us like a bass on the hook in the lake or like that poor deer out there that's going to get shot this weekend. <laughs> There's some guys that are going to bring home some some bucks and some does this weekend because they've been sitting there. They had that tree stand up all year, and they've been waiting for this day, and they're going to get one. And he's been hiding from them and, and getting around it for years, but this year is going to be some poor buck's year, and he's going to end up on somebody's wall and on somebody's table. Right? And so the enemy is out to get us like that. So we gotta be, we gotta know our enemy. None of, all this is tying into, we didn't talk, we didn't, okay? God's trying to tell somebody something. Pay attention. And so we gotta know our enemy. Remember the audience that James was talking to was the church. Now, you have to kind of step back a minute and think about this for a minute. Most people didn't could not read in that day. So there was probably only one or two people in the whole body of, of the church that could actually read or even write. So James wrote this letter. So if you can imagine, one guy got up and read the letter to everybody. And when you write a letter to somebody that that you want to say some things to them, kind of get up in their grill or whatever, you know, you 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 kind of don't start you don't jump right into that, do you? You have your little greetings and how are you doing and how's the family and and then you kind of lead into that, right? And that's kind of what James did in this letter. He kind of kind of led into some of this stuff. And so here they are listening to this person reading this letter, and they're all going, yeah, this is good. And then they, he got to the hard stuff, and they were like, ow. You know, they, they knew. The ones in the audience knew who he was talking about. I'm not, I'm not convinced it was everybody, but there was probably some internal stuff in the church, and when he hit on certain things, it was like, ouch. Ever felt like that? I want to feel like that every time somebody gets up here to preach to me. I want God to convict me. I want him to talk to me and to poke at some areas that I don't want him to go to. Right? Because I want to know. Don't you? I want to know those areas that need work in my life, that I need to address those areas. Right? Because I want to be saved. I don't know about you. Ultimately, if if this is the last time I ever get to stand up here and do something like this, my goal in this world is to be saved and to maybe take somebody else with me because freely I've received, freely give. Right? And if he privileges me with the opportunity to get up here and speak to, to a group of people, that's great. But I'd rather be out there like Jesus was, one-on-one. Right? 
loving those people, taking care of them, feeding the 5,000, taking care of their physical needs, right? You know, we're going to take all that food to these families. That's going to, that's going to be such a blessing. We, we have such abundance in our homes. We didn't, we don't even think about not having enough in our cupboard, right? We don't. So when these people heard these words, it, it kind of cut to the quick, cut to the heart. But was James was trying to help them. He knew he wasn't going to be around. So he was preparing the future leaders and the ones under them, not only what they needed to know, but how to carry this thing forward. How to, what things to watch for, what things to look for, what things to be aware of. And so verse 8 says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts. He's calling the church sinners. He's calling the church double-minded. Today, some people would say, excuse me? Who do you think you're talking to? Well, you know, Jesus was talking through James and he was, he was telling them what they needed to hear, wasn't he? We, I mean, we preach it out of James, right? We preach it as the word of God. So we have to believe that he was telling them something they need to hear, right? So there's stuff we need to hear sometimes that we don't want to hear. We'd rather you go somewhere else. Would you preach about something else, please? Cause that's touching an area that I, I'm dealing with and I don't want you to go there. We don't. We're sitting there in our pew saying that in our mind. Why has he got to go there? Why has he got to talk about that? Right? Human nature, right? Why has the boss got to bring that up in the meeting? Right? (laughs) Because they all knew, everybody in the meeting knows who the one guy he's talking about, but he's not just not saying his name. (laughs) But we all need to to do better in this area, but you know he's talking about you, right? (laughs) He just don't want to whoop you in front of everybody. So he does it subtly, right? Because you're a team. I have not been yelled at by the boss at work. Don't even read into that. (laughs) They love me there. They just, they've asked me if there's anything we can do to make sure you stay here that please let us know. They have. (laughs) And it just, I'm just humbled by that. I'm like, just keep doing whatever it is you're doing. I'm happy, okay? Right? So verse 8 really reiterates this. James kind of re-repeating what he already said in verse 7. Right? James 4 and 8 in the Amplified says it this way. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Recognize that you are sinners. Get your soiled hands clean. Realize that you have been disloyal wavering individuals with divided interests and purify your hearts of your spiritual adultery. Wow. That's the amplified is pretty much close as close to the literal Greek as you can get. Okay. So that's what they were really saying. Right. So that sounds to me like it's all about relationship with our heavenly father, doesn't it? 
Draw, draw close to him. Draw nigh to him and he'll draw. If you're busy drawing close to God and humbling yourself before God, do you have time to be getting all up in other people's business and all this stuff that James was talking about, about your flesh getting in the way and all this mess going on? He was trying to point out to them, here's the problem. You're trying to do it out of your own intellect, out of your own will, your own ideas, and you're not. If you would just spend time with the Lord, you won't have you won't have all these problems. Let Him lead you. What does it say? And I think it's Second Peter five six. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and He will lift you up in due time. In due time. Don't worry about edifying and about lifting yourself up and promoting yourself. I mean, you're important to God, but you ain't all that important. Let Him decide when it's time to lift you up. Let Him be the one to decide when it's your turn to be elevated, promoted. You know, promotion, the Bible says in Psalms, to doesn't it comes from the Lord, doesn't it? it? Doesn't come from somewhere else. It comes from the Lord. I want the Lord to promote me. And isn't that what he did in the in the Bible? He took men and women out of out of obscurity. They were obscure people, nobody had a clue who they were, and they even said it about on the day of Pentecost. Who are these? These are these aren't these these dumb Galileans? <laughs> who do they think they are? They're not like us. That's what the religious guys were saying. But that's what Jesus was doing. He was bringing unknown, obscure people out of obscurity and lifting them up and using them mightily. And they paid a price for that, too. <laughs> like I heard one preacher say, the retirement plan for most of the disciples was not one we would all run to. <laughs> Crucified upside down, sawn asunder, and all those kind of things. You know, that's what we have to look forward to. If he elevates us and lifts us up, we, we're gonna, we have persecution and all this ridicule and all this stuff to, that's what we have to look forward to. So, I, you know, if you, if you elevate yourself and lift yourself up, to me, it's like God saying, go ahead, you're on your own. <laughs> I don't have anything to do with that, right? That's what the religious people did, didn't they? James admonishes his fellow believers to submit themselves. I'm going to keep hitting on that because I feel like that's where where he kind of has taken me with this. That word submit means to subjugate, to place in submission. It means that we are to place ourselves under his dominion. You can't have be under two dominions your own and his what's that one scripture say if you're going to you're going to either love the one and hate the other you're going to despise the one you, you you can't serve you can't have two bosses you can't there can only be one head so it means that we have to remember that we are just the clay on the wheel we are just the branch that's connected to the vine Right? Jesus was even called the righteous branch. So he understood 
about being a branch. Right? Doesn't the Bible say he he felt all these things and all this stuff that, you know, he 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 was a man of like precious faith like we he he went through the same stuff we go through. Yet without sin. Why? What did he do? What did he talk about more than anything else in the New Testament? He always referred back to his heavenly father this, his heavenly father that. Whatever the heavenly father says, blah, blah, blah. That's what, it, that's what they felt like he was. It's like, does, that, does he ever talk about anything else? But he, he said, what I do, the, I don't do it. The heavenly father's telling me to do it. He's telling me to say this stuff. He's, he's the one leading and guiding me. And it was a subtle example. We, we gotta depend on him. On him. Right? When we are humble, we are pliable. In his hands. Like that soft, mushy clay. When we are that humble branch connected to the vine, we don't provide our own sustenance. We don't provide the, the life that that we need to ourselves, he provides it as long as we're connected to him. Right? I couldn't get away from verse 7 where it says he resists the proud. The Bible says, a humble and a contrite spirit, O God, David said that, thou will not despise. Right? And that word resists, talking about he sets a, he, he, he basically sets an army against you. Paul talking to the church in Galatians 4.19 says, my little children whom I travail in birth, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. That's what his goal is. What James is telling the church, you're still on the wheel. You're still in the process. He's not done molding you. And Paul said this. He, he was preaching. He was saying this to the church till Christ be formed in you. Is Christ being done, being done, being formed in any of us right now at this very moment? No, we're not done. We're not done. There's more things, I'll just make reference to myself. There's more revelation. There's more things I want to know. There's more, there's more depth. I want to get below the surface of that water. I don't want to just sit in the boat and look at the water that's on the surface. I want to go deep. I want to know, but it's going to cost me something. Humility and, and all those things sound good on paper, but to really live that and do that, it's going to cost you something. God's not just going to give us stuff because we say we want it. He knows what we can handle revelation-wise and all these things. When we get ourselves to the place where we are devoid of self, when our wants and desires don't matter, then he will lift us up and use us for his glory in ways we never thought possible. Is Christ really done being formed in us? No, we're still on the wheel, right? Consider this thought. It's not in who we are or think we are. I don't know where I got this. The Lord might have just spoken to me. I haven't found it anywhere. It's not in who we think we are. It's in who he is and how he manifests himself in us 
that makes us significant and of value in his kingdom and in this world that we are commissioned to reach. It's not in who we think we are. It's in who he is and how he manifests himself in us. I want to know every day, what do you think, God? What do you think of me? Are you happy with me? You know, King David prayed that prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Is that just, he just prayed that once? I think he lived that every day. He prayed that every day. Father, you know, I want the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be right and pure and acceptable in your sight. I don't want to spout things that that's just out of Vince's head. Because that could be damaging. You know, the, the Bible, I mean, James even talks about the tongue. That was the thing. Really, it was the flesh, but it was the tongue that was getting them in trouble. Their words and thoughts turn into words, don't they? Right? David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Right? If I think something about you that's contrary to the kingdom and contrary, if I don't ever say it, does it make it okay? <laughs> no. It probably makes it worse. Because I'm looking at you and smiling, but I have an opinion about, you know, that I won't look at you anymore, Sister Bill. <laughs> about that ugly shirt you have on or whatever, right? Why is he wearing that today? That don't match. Right? That sounds silly, but we have thoughts like that sometimes that we just keep to ourselves. And guess who can read our thoughts? Not the devil. Only another one, one other option. Yep, you guessed it. So we got to be careful. I don't know about you. I, I don't want to just assume that my heavenly Father is pleased with me. I don't want to make that assumption every day. I want to go and ask him. And I want to be prepared for the answer. And probably, in, for me anyway, more times than not, the answer is, uh, you need to work on this or you need to work on that. But I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful. I'm humbled and, I'm, and I feel that conviction come upon me, but I'm thankful that he's willing to point out some things that I need to work on. Because, you know, we're not perfect. We're striving to be that way. I want to be perfect. I want to be pleasing in His sight. But until Jesus comes, i got to pray that prayer every day. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, If ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Are we risen with Christ? I believe I am. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection or your thoughts, your innermost thoughts, set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. We were just talking about Christmas presents and hiding them from your kids. (laughs) One of my grandkids found... A Christmas present. 
came running out of the room with her new PJs on. <laughs> Yay, mommy! They weren't going to tell her otherwise. Right? So when you hide something, it, it's hidden. Nobody's supposed to be able to see it or find it, right? We, if we, if a seed falls into the ground, it, it's hidden in the dirt, right? So if we're hid with Christ and God, we're, we're hid, we're hid behind Him, right? Anybody see where I'm going with this? If we're hid by Him, then it's not about us, is it? Thank you. Here. Finish. <laughs> you probably could. I, I just, this scripture just, I got hung up on this. We, if our life and our way and our will is hid with Christ, then it really isn't, it's really all about Him and not about us, isn't it? So what we think, what we are concerned about, you know, I could just go on and on with, you know, none of that matters, does it? It doesn't matter. Why he said, casting all your care. Give it to him. I, when I, before we even got in Pentecost, we had, we attended this one church and they sang this song, take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. If you trust and never doubt, he'll surely bring you out. I don't even know the melody to that. Take your burdens to the Lord, take it to the altar and leave it there physically or, or virtually. Cause you know how you know? If you've really done that, how? You, that's right. You don't care anymore. You don't care what the outcome is. You don't care what happens. You, you've, you've handed it to him. It's out. It's a, it's, you threw that rock in his pond, not in yours. Right? Your pond is still peaceful. Here, God, you said to do this, so here it is. I'm not going to leave my hand on the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. My hand's off of it. You take care of it. I'm going to go on and live my life in peace. Right? He said, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on who? Him. But if we keep thinking about it, we keep fretting over it, we keep worrying about it, that word care there is anxiety. Casting all your anxiety, all the stuff you worry about, all the stuff you care about. We care about our kids, right? We care about our job. We care. Just think in your mind, there's all kinds of stuff in your life you really care about. Some people really care if the Packers win or lose. (laughs) And some people don't. Some people care if the Vikings win. Right? I don't want to, let's, let's move on. But we, we care about things, right? If you were in the army, you care if the army beats the navy in the army navy game, right? And the navy guys, they care. If the, they want the navy to win, right? But we care about things. We care about our home. We care about the troubles and all the things that are happening in our life. And, and James was trying to, I think, trying to get to the, to the saints of, the fellow believers that it's all about the kingdom. Stop worrying about all the little stuff, the internal squabbles and all the little stuff that you think's important and put the kingdom first. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. 
and he'll lift you up. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. When he realizes it's that you've cast it on God and that it's not your concern anymore, he, he might as well leave. Because right? it's, it's fruitless for him to stick around. I love it when, uh, and I'm going to just say, he, I get tempted a lot, all the time. And I'm, I'm getting better at recognizing, we, we, we'll get better at this as we go, right? And when I recognize that it's him putting those little thoughts in my head, I, you know what I love to say? <laughs> well, you, you liar. You're still lying. You're always going to lie. You're lying to me right now. Just get away. Thank you, God. I'm thankful that I'm sensitive, that God's allowing me to be sensitive like that, to allow, not allow those thoughts to turn into something else. The Bible talks about that progression, right? When it starts out as a thought, but then as it, if you, you know, then it becomes sin, and, and sin, when it's finished, it brings forth death, and, and all those kind of things, right? We gotta nip it in the bud in the beginning, that's what James is saying. And it all starts with submitting to him. Isn't that what we did when we got the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name? Didn't we submit our life to him at that point? We said words to this effect. I will, whatever you want me to do, God, I'll do it. If you'll just give me the Holy Ghost. Right? I'll serve you. I'll do whatever you say. Didn't, didn't we all say something like that or think something like that? When we realized our desperate need and we needed the Holy Ghost, we were willing to do anything to get it, to get out of this life that we were in, right? So it's about, you know, Jesus was our example. He, he said it very simply. He said it a little different in a couple of different places, but he said, not as I will, Father, but as you will. Not my will. Your will be done. Nevertheless, I mean, there's there could be a whole lesson on that word, right? Nevertheless, there's somebody wrote a song or something called the, something about the nevertheless love. It was the kind of love he had. Nevertheless, nevertheless is talking about all of us. Nevertheless, I got all these people I got to save. I got all these people, these souls. I got Michaela's going to need me. Nevertheless, I got to go to that cross. I don't want to do it. He didn't want to do it in his flesh. It was going to hurt. He knew that. But the God in him said, I got to do this. This is what my whole purpose and goal in life is. He was born to die for us. And we have a destiny that he has set in our life. He's just waiting for us to find that destiny and to lay aside all the unimportant stuff, the weights and the sin and all the stuff that keeps us held back and bound and and to just get in his flow and just let him you know in the in the ocean in, in Okinawa and it's like this in the Ohio River there's certain places where there's undertows and there's things that, that you can't see but if you get in that undertow if you get in it what do they call that in the ocean? Rip tie that thing will drag you out to sea. We had an aimer over there <laughs> that got dragged quite a ways out to sea before they finally pulled him out of that thing. It's just a, it's like a rushing water that you can't swim against. Right? 
We can't. We got to be careful. And I'm bringing this to a close this morning. And so I wanted to say this. You know, when somebody ministers the word to us, it's like James writing that letter. James wrote that letter with great care and concern and love and compassion for his fellow believers. He loved them. He knew he wasn't going to get to see them again. He wanted to leave them with something, even if it was some hard words mixed in there with the good stuff, that was going to help them to get down the road so that they could pass that. They, I'm sure they reread because it was written in a scroll. It wasn't like they sent over to the printing company and ordered copies. They just, the next generation and the next generation kept reading that to themselves, just like they did in the Old Testament. They kept reading those things over and over. When they read it to the king that one time, he was so distraught and so like, oh my gosh, we've not been doing anything right. we got to stop right now and start doing what this word says right here. Get rid of all this other stuff and just stop all this. And so when somebody comes before us, whether it's over the media or right in front of you right here, and in my case, this, this is true, I care a great deal for the people that I'm speaking to. And I don't want to say anything that's going to hurt anybody, but at the same time, I want the Lord to, to use me or this man or whoever to speak to us, to speak to me and tell me what I need to hear. Lord, tell me what I need to hear. I'm open. My ears are open. I'm, I'm not afraid of what you're going to say. That's the attitude we need to come to this situation with. But these people, whoever they are, they want the very best for you and for the kingdom. That's what James wanted. He wanted the very best for the kingdom. Because James was a very forward-thinking guy. He was one of the, the, the apostles. He knew that the kingdom was going to go forward way beyond his lifetime. Right? And if the Lord tarries, we don't know when the Lord's coming back, but we got to act like he's coming back tomorrow. But at the same time, we got to act like we got to prepare the next generation. So we got to give, give everything we can while we can until... He takes away our ability to do so, and then somebody else is going to take that baton and keep on running with it, right? Thank you, Father, for this uh, opportunity to be before your people today. I pray that words that I have spoken have been a blessing and ministry to somebody in this place. Lord, have your way in the remainder of this service. Use this man of God, this pastor, to preach to us and minister to us mightily as we go into the next part of this service. We thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name.